Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the AEW Dynamite Preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to look ahead to tonight's episode of AEW Dynamite Grand Slam. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also AEW Rampage, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, but oh, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Sidric to look ahead to Dynamite Grand Slam tonight. No hamlet. He's having a well-earned day off, but we'll be back tomorrow to review this show. And what a show this is set up to be. Obviously, are they taping... Rampage yes. tonight, and that's a two-hour special two as hour, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And already on Dynamite, we've got five championship matches. Yeah, like, honestly, this will sound like such a quintessentially Sidgwick take, but I'm worried that Dynamite's going to be too good. <laughs> if anything, I honestly would have put one of the matches tonight, specifically Cloud Heel versus Jericho, on Rampage, because mm. I'm worried about the volume. Um, if you recall, last year, Dynamite Grand Slam, and Rampage Grand Slam. It was a really fun, great, iconic, memorable event um, across the two episodes of TV. Um, on the Rampage, being Rampage, even then it wasn't as stacked as Dynamite. But you got like a Jericho tag. You got CM Punk's first TV match, was it? One of his first. Yeah. Um, after the Derby one anyway. Um, so there's loads to look forward to. But the issue, other than the lighting, which I hope gets resolved, corrected this time. Yeah. Um, and, the, and the way they shot the stadium, it was one of those where it looked amazing a bit of the time. Mm. And the, the vibe was so great that you didn't really want to nitpick the way it was shot and the, the, the lack of scope and gravitas. And But the problem beyond that was Omega Danielson, so goddamn good, mm-hmm. was so incredible that the, that the audience kind of blew their ward. And they didn't go up for anything quite as highly as they did that. And the way I'm laying out this show, would I sacrifice Rampage for five, like, incredible prospects um, just to get the best TV rating for the most important show? I worry about Rampage, but that's a Friday problem. God damn it, I'm not remotely worried (laughs) about this show tonight. Uh, let's start in the most obvious place, then. Uh, The Grand Slam Tournament of Champions! has its final tonight, an all-Blackpool Combat Club affair. 
Uh, I assume this main event, I assume this gets plenty of time. Well, I suspect it opens on that basis. Ah, They're yeah. very detailed, they're very thoughtful. Um, what they like to do, even if it's literally never happened once, I think the one time they ever did an overrun was for the debut of Satnam Singh. You were, told, you, were told, <laughs> yes. you were honestly, you were literally told to set your DVRs because something could happen, which was called for. Yeah, something's going to happen. It's worked. It's predetermined. But I do always appreciate the little small detail because I'm a little small details oriented man. That every time they put on a title match, in particular in the main event, they lie through their teeth and say something to the effect of, "You know, we spoke to TBS. They're happy for us to." Um, go as long as we need to go with this match, which is going to finish at one hour, 59 minutes, <laughs> or if there's an angle, one hour, 56, you know, that kind of thing. But for that detail alone, I do think, I'm being facetious, but I do think it's very important to get over the idea, even if Moxley himself doesn't work a 60-minute marathon style, to great effect, I love what he's pioneered, um, but even though he's not that kind of wrestler, Danielson is, and theoretically, Danielson could take him to the limit. So I want this to open. I want them to tell the audience that's why this is opening. They could lie again if it wasn't the main event. But no, I just think it opens. They might be repeating the same mistake from last year. But look, who could get over as hell on Rampage? And to be honest, the tag title match could yeah. be louder still because the acclaimed on New York boys, even when they were in Chicago, they got one of the loudest... Um, ovations of the night, so I would open with this. Do you think that the, if we do say, and this is jumping past the result, arguably, if it does open, that lessens the chance of MJF getting involved or cashing in or whatever it may be? Well, that's the thing as well. I hadn't considered that before I thought about what could open and what couldn't. Um, yeah, he could cash in. He's intimated heavily on TV and across social media that he could cash this in any place, any time. And uh, I wrote an article the other week. It's just about relevant. Um, why AEW must steal this hated WWE idea. You can still check it out on whatculture.com slash WWE that to further his whole bit as the WWE guy who you are meant to hate because he embodies WWE. Oh no, because he gravitates towards WWE. He talks up WWE. They are the enemy. Um, the idea that he wants to go there should really piss people off, and he's too charismatic at the minute, and he's too missed that it isn't yet. But if he's going to gravitate towards WWE in his promos, the ultimate heel trick might be that he embodies WWE in their worst trope. He talks about working smarter, not harder all the time. And that's a continuation of a of an aspect of his character that was in place before the bidding war of 2024 when he had a minimal contractual obligation and he took great advantage of it. The idea that he could cash in and do the most risible and overdone WWE trope in the context of AEW could be the final switch where fans are like, right, I don't actually want to cheer you anymore. You might get a, a, a pop for the title switch because that always happens, but once the dust settles on that, that could be the shortcut to um, get fans to really boo him because he is fighting against the tide. Yeah. What happens when any character, regardless of the role they were playing, um, comes back from a long-term injury hiatus or a hiatus of any kind, they get cheered because they've been missed. That's just how these things work. And MGF is currently struggling. He gets them because he's a great generator of heat. But yeah, the, uh, the risk here 
with this trope. And it's not just about MGF. You have to consider the title picture, the prestige, the lineage, the history. Is that they might piss on that title, which has already had um, quite a dismal or cursed year mm. in 2022. But my argument in the article, again, you can go and read it, is that it's already suffered in terms of prestige. And it'll always feel lesser than because no one be punk. It's no longer this perfectly curated succession, long-term vehicle to make stars, which is what a title is, because no one's be punk, and that's just going to be the case. So maybe they need to fictionalize the lack of prestige and then fictionalize someone like Danielson or Mox reclaiming it after a long chase at the expense of the dastardly MJF mm -hmm. and telling a good story rather than a real-life cursed one about it. I think it's going to cash in. He could be dropping some red herrings, but it would be the ultimate I'm the WWE guy move if he were to do it the way that WWE guys do it. Um, but can I wax lyrical about the match itself? Yeah, exactly. Uh, John Moxley versus Brian Danielson. I've watched the uh, the road to and oh my God. I'm going to treat myself tonight. It is well worthy of a watch, um, particularly in the way that they put over. I'll not say any more in case people like you haven't watched it. Particularly in the way that they, they don't need to sell the match. Yeah. Moxley Danielson, written on a piece of paper, let alone the graphic, does the job. But these are two fantastic workers who, yeah, reiterate the importance of the title and the journey to get there that they've, they've gone through. Yeah, absolutely. It's just so unpredictable as well. I know they've leaned heavily on the direction of MJF versus Moxley because... MJF has been targeting Moxley and just brought up Jericho Danielson as an aside almost in his last TV promo um, that followed the face-to-face -face exchange. But one of the few good things about having insider sort of perspectives on TV, and it can get in the way sometimes when you kind of know what the mooted main event is. It's just part of the parcel of being um, part and parcel, rather, of being like an online wrestling fan, if you like. Mm. Um, but we know that Mox was due a vacation if he's doing them this one last solid to put his mate Danielson over and then Moxley could be the guy who takes it off MGF next year. They could have dropped a red herring, but sometimes they do show their hand. But I do find this unpredictable because from a political perspective um, and a star-making perspective, you know for a fact that Danielson's probably happy to job to most people. He just is. That's just his nature. Um, but ultimately, he will be 0-2 against Mox if, in fact, he loses. Um, and it will be like a long line of should he be beating Danielson this much? Just got beat off Jericho at the pay per view, got beat off Garcia on TV, got beat off Page, um, got beat off Moxley at Revolution. Like he loses quite a bit considering he's like quite possibly the greatest ever. So there's always that in the back of your mind of, and this will inform the drama. Mm. And they don't even need these outside factors to create drama in the match because I think there'll be an absolutely blood soaked war. Like, the Revolution match was great. But one of the reasons why I kind of want this to start is, like, this pairing in front of a white-hot, like, traditionally loud market with so many fans there in a beautiful um, backdrop. Like, I really think that they could work in even better match than they did at Revolution, which was so goddamn physical, drenched in machismo. The technical violence was just sublime. Loved the fact that they did the double-blade spot um, after they said they were going to bleed together yeah. if they were going to team together. Just great, great storytelling. I expect this to be even better, and I expect this to be thoroughly dramatic because I can't really call it. Does Mox get stigmatized as the caretaker guy? Does he not go on holiday? 
do they beat Danielson again after he's been beaten so often? These are all questions that are going to inform how unpredictable and dramatic the match is when no questions are needed. The only thing these guys need is trunks, boots, some ropes, and a canvas. Mm. Um, so I just expect this to be f- phenomenal. I think both men will bleed. And I do like the contrast of if MGF were to cash in, um, of him doing nothing and holding the belt above a blood-soaked guy who's just exhausted everything to try and win the title. I think the contrast of the cheating, opportunistic bastard against a guy who's just bled and went to war will give you the hint that the guy who bled and went to war is the true heart and soul of AEW. You just need to go along for the ride for the next however many months to reclaim its soul. <laughs> like that, him stood over a bloody, let's say Danielson, for example. He's maybe hit maybe one move, and he's there using the scarf to sort of pat away the sweat yeah, or yeah. something like that. Um, yeah, I, like you say, I've I got to reiterate what you said in terms of the fact that I think you could easily make a case for either of the men winning this Um and I think it's volumes there that people are doing these votes on Twitter. Like, who do you think leaves as champion? And then they've got Moxley, Danielson, other. Because, you know, maybe, uh, who knows what's going on with CM Punk right now. I sincerely doubt that that's going to happen. But who bloody knows in this wild world of wrestling we're living in right now. But yeah, MJF would be uh, the obvious uh, one to suggest here. Which is why I think this is a main event, to be honest. Um, but I think you may have a case but I think they'll maybe put it on at like 15 minutes past the, the top of the hour in the second hour and just go. Because I know Moxie doesn't have super long epics, but... Um, if there's ever a time to do yes. it, it would be now. And I love the idea of Mox going the distance. One, because I need as much Mox as possible in my life. But the idea that if someone can take and pass that 20-minute mark, very few have. And if you remember the Jericho match that went that distance, it was like, holy hell, this is yeah. drama out the ass. And the idea that the guy who can just kill you or choke you unconscious pretty much any time being taken the distance, it just, Moxley is making long matches mean more, mm. and they haven't meant anything except hollow near-fall facilitators for the longest goddamn time. The listeners will want a prediction. I predict Danielson, Handshake, um, MGF, I think he's going to cash in. Mm. Yeah, I was going to say, is I'm going to be keeping an eye on the clock for for what games and and everything else on this show, but also, uh, yeah, if, if whoever wins the title wins the title with five minutes left, then because it, it almost works in their favor that they've had that history before where they ended the show or they they mistimed the main event and it was just Moxley celebrating in the crowd for five minutes because then you think, oh well, they could just do that again here with Mox or with Danielson. Or, like you say, there's just this uh, spectre hanging over it all. Yeah. I agree. I think Danielson wins. Um, but it'll be interesting as well to see if if Moxley targets the, what was it, the ankle he turned? The ankle, yeah. yeah. Maybe he doesn't early on, and then he starts going, eh, all's fair in love and war sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether MJF's going to cash in. I don't know. I have a feeling he won't. But, like you say, he could threaten it. Yes. That would be a good idea because, again, with the Money in the Bank device, they always have, they've been doing it with Austin Theory, they've been doing it for, what, 15, nearly 20 years at this point, Jesus Christ. The idea of threatening the cash-in and then not doing it with the idea of, I must watch every episode of TV just in case it actually happens one of these days. Yeah. Opening shot on the night. 
MJF front row with a ticket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Who knows? Uh, right, let's talk about the other um, huge potential uh, title change uh, on this show in terms of crowd reaction, certainly. I'm talking, of course, of the tag team title match, Swerve in Our Glory versus The Acclaimed. Uh, we were up in arms when they almost didn't call an audible at the pay-per-view and switched the titles. But it may make it even sweeter if tonight the acclaimed become tag champs. I think Tony Khan will be proven right not to have been impulsive in the moment. Um, He hasn't had to do anything to build interest in the rematch because I think people were legitimately desperate to watch the second go-around. The second, the first one, had finished because we all wanted the audible. Everyone wanted the acclaimed to win. Um, And they haven't really had the luxury of building it on TV because the whole idea is Max Caster can't rap. (laughs) Because <laughs> it affects the credibility of his no Fs given character if he can't talk about the locker room brawl. People would think he's uh, sold out mm. or lost his edge or something lame like that. I honestly think everyone would be very understanding. Yeah. But they don't want to run the risk of... Because Max Caster's whole gimmick is he says the things that no one's allowed to say. Uh, much like MJF. So without even being able to do the raps, because there's something that he kind of has to say in character but can't in reality, they've still built the anticipation for this particularly well. We love the line last week, he's going to roll Keith Lee into Arthur Ashe, which is just like really morbidly funny. Um, I'm very interested in how this match plays out. Um, I wonder if they'll go to Bowen's knee injury again. That was such a great thread. It was such a great thread, but you don't necessarily want to do it again in case it feels like fake and manipulative. Like I still vividly recall the selling was so great on Bones' part that I was almost relieved and invested in it as a story the second Swerve drop kicked it. Yeah. Like, oh my god, it's a gimmick, thank God. <laughs> oh right, now I can yeah. suspend my disbelief because I'm Bones is allowing me to do it with such a great performance. So I don't know. Maybe they could do it really deep into the drama where Bones is like House of Fire, hometown crowd, for the longest time it really feels like they're going to do it, and then they'll approach a finish, and then five minutes of like knee work, and then they do the finish again. All of which is to say that there's loads and loads to play with here. Um, I want to see Caster just show off that unreal strength again. And he definitely oh, drive yeah. at Keith Lee. Like, I hope they've got something similar up their sleeves because that just astonished me. I was watching it thinking, how on earth have you done this? Mm-hmm. I've never associated him with any kind of pro wrestling characteristic. But like, he, he didn't just lift him up, which is impressive enough in itself, but he sold the struggle of doing yeah. it particularly well. I hope there's a moment that really takes my breath away like that did. Um, but ultimately, I'll take a three-star match just to get the pop because... They're getting strapped up. Yes. And it's going to be absolutely phenomenal. It's going to be deafening. Do you think uh, this is the end of Swerve in Our Glory? They possibly they fall apart in the immediate aftermath of losing this title? Well, that's a good question because you could save it, but at the same time, this is both a really great, great on-paper wrestling show, but it's also not a great episodic wrestling TV show because it's like a destination, whereas... What you want, there's going to be loads of people watching this. And Tony Khan will want them all to watch again. We kind of need to do an angle. You need a hook for the people who are, because we know what the ceiling is and they haven't been reaching it that well this year. I think that ceiling can be reached again, regardless of 
um, TNT and TBS being available in fewer homes as compared to last year. Like, I think the ceiling exists and it mm-hmm. can be reached again. The idea being that you can't just do a title change or a great world title singles match. Like You need um, hooks, you need episodic stero- uh, storytelling on the episodic vehicle to get people to watch further episodes of the episodic TV show. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I honestly can see it happening tonight. Uh, also, very whilst, very quickly whilst we're here, I want to give a shout-out to Pat Maxwell, who, uh, <laughs> who got Keith Lee talking about us uh, in the last 24 hours. Uh, basically, Keith Lee uh, tweeted a, a match graphic uh, for this tag match uh, with the word business, and AW on TV uh, replied, and it's time to handle it. And he replied, indubitably. And Pat replied, all right, now I know Keith Lee is listening to Adam Wilborn's impressions. To which Keith Lee ridiculously quote tweeted it with a who's what? And uh, Pat clarified, saying, I was hoping to, uh, to find out that you listen to the What Culture podcast. Uh, they're great. When I find it, I can get you a clip and you might enjoy it. And Keith Lee replied, Well, if I'm being honest, good sir, I only really listen to science podcasts. <laughs> but generally speaking, music is the majority of what I listen to. Why listen to music when they have that wonderful lilting tone of his? I would just narrate my own life. Yeah. If I was Keith Lee, I would listen to nothing, and I would simply narrate my own life. I love you, Keith Lee. I'd, if he is hearing this... It's I'd, so affectionate. Yes. This is nothing but love this is coming from. Please don't pounce me into next week, uh, Actually, example. you know what, Keith? Keith, if you are listening, please pounce Adam Wilborn into next week. Thank you, good sir. <laughs> May I have another? Ah, <laughs> uh, Yes. I see that you know your pounce as well. Good one. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Posting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Right, let's talk about this uh, women's title or injury. Uh, women's 
women's title four-way. Tony Storm versus Athena versus Serena Deeb versus Britt Baker. How are you feeling about all this? I feel like it will be a high-speed spot fest, tight 10 minutes, with the idea being that because of the way that AEW has stigmatized women's wrestling and, by extension, women's wrestlers, no matter how talented the women are, and the vast majority of them are so talented that I don't think the audience has got any real idea yet nope. of what, for example, even interim champion Tony Storm can do. I think this is a bit of a shortcut to get an all-action match with no lulls, no heat sequences, which, because the audience has been conditioned not to take any heel seriously, that the um, the audience and the crowd just quietens down when they see a heat sequence. The television audience drops off. I think this is a shortcut designed to um, book a match in which there are no lulls, in which the action's frantic, um, loads and loads and loads and loads of pinfall attempts that are broken up because that is one of the few good things about a multi-person match um, is that you don't just have to rely on kickouts and kickouts and kill finishes because the implication is that if there's no one else in the ring, I would have the job done. Mm-hmm. But someone broke up the pin. Um, but yeah, I'm not expecting it to go too long. I think the I think it'll be the shortest match on the card. In fact, and these aren't good things. No, but ultimately, I don't trust AEW anymore. Um, the the Cannon Marshall gruesome twosome who lay these shows out and format these shows. If I was trusting of them, I would think, all right, well, it's good that they're doing this because it gets women on the card, which is not a bad thing at all. No. Even if the um, the motive is a little bit dubious. Um, but I think that this is put on the card to um, shine a spotlight on the division, not like sort of make the audience tune out. And if I wasn't cynical, I'd think, oh, it's obviously a fresh start. They want to profile lots of women. They want a lot of um, um, new eyeballs or like curious or lapsed or Mm -hmm. casual, whatever you want to call it, to really get into the match because we're giving the women every opportunity to get this over and to get this loud. But unfortunately, I just, I have little faith in AEW at this point. I've said the same point. Again and again, I will make it again and again until it's fixed. Until it's fixed, I won't believe it's fixed. Yeah. I'm not bargaining for it. I'm not hoping. I'm sadly accepting. Yeah, it's it's still a glaring issue within AEW with that question. And uh, I got good news and bad news, if you like, women's wrestling. The good news is this is going in the first hour in my booking. The bad news is it's going in the first hour to die because I think they're going to have a moment where they go, right, whether whether it's the world title match that opens or the tag title match that opens, people are going to be spent in yeah. the immediate aftermath of that. And they'll know that the other one is still to come. Now, I'm not suggesting this will be like the toilet break match, but it will certainly be the lull, in my opinion. The cool down. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, it's something that AWs condition themselves. They condition the audience to be like, this doesn't really matter. Um, and there's there's such the issue I have with that is like you say there's such potential in there. I'm already fantasy booking in my head Athena hitting the 
it's not called the eclipse anymore, is it? Whatever it's the called. The O-Face. The O-Face. And then someone getting hit with that, and then they could maybe stagger back into another move or a submission by Britt Baker or Serena D. Regardless, I think Tony Storm retains here. Yes, I think she retains. It's too early. The, the Booker's trick is to do a multi-person match when you put someone you're not that bothered about promoting with conviction long-term to take a fall um, and honestly, that could be anyone. Mm. So it's going to be unpredictable, at least. I do love the idea of Deeb having someone locked in a submission and that person frantically trying to get free and doing so at the death to break up a pin attempt that's happening right next to her. So there's loads that can play with here. I just don't think they'll be playing for very long, which brings us to... And what game would that be, Michael Sidgwick? The game would be, and this is late as nine, I'm thinking, no, what a night. This jingle has taken on a life of its own, (laughs) but I would just like to reiterate that we are not particularly happy, or even remotely happy. No, we take no joy in this. We take no joy in this. We've developed this jingle because we can just readily imagine the people in the room, shall we say, just having a little bit of a... When can we put the women on? Because mm. it's always the same. And if it's not always the same, it's always the same amount of time. Yeah. It's always the obligatory one match. Usually and followed by the other champion cutting a promo. Absolutely. <laughs> um, we could play a second game as well. Oh. And that is entitled... Let's do the math. <laughs> Four hours of TV. Wednesday, Friday, Dynamite, Rampage. Oh, yeah. Right. I can... Who's Jade Cargill got on Rampage? Oh, that's a very good question. I'll look that up. Uh, because I think this four-way right between the ropes, bell to bell, will probably go 10 to 12 minutes, okay? Mm-hmm. Jade Cargill has got... Diamante. Diamante, right. That's going three minutes, if that. Yep. Well, one, you're better at maths than me, right? What is... 15 minutes of four hours is like a percentage or a fraction. So it's 25% of one hour, and then divide that by four, which means it's just over 6%. 12. 12? Oh, no, for four. Yeah. So 6%. I think that's right. Let's let's keep your composure here, lad. 25%, 15 minutes is 25% of one hour. And mm-hmm. then you're dividing that by four. So 6% of the That's Grand Slam with. celebration is going to be women's wrestling. Yeah. I think I think we're going to have... No, maybe not that. Maybe that's... I was going to say, we may see more of Action Bronson than we're going to see of women's wrestling. I doubt that maybe. That maybe ends a bit too far, but... A little bit. Tells you all you need to know, really. But yes, yeah, so. how, how much how terrifyingly stacked Rampage is, and I say that by by, ah, uh, how are you gonna fit all that in two hours? Oh, no. You've got a Battle Royal, you've got Sting, you've got Action Bronson, you've got. Um, uh, I worry that's a worry for Friday. A, a worry, worry for Friday. Friday. So what time have you got? Oh, uh, should I tell you? Um, because we should point out that the man who uh, is does all the admin side, and we're always very grateful for in terms of Ladies Night, that being Adam Blair, of course, at Adam Wilton 4 on Twitter. He is he's going to be doing the best form of timing, Michael Sidgwick, and that's 
in person. He is going oh, to Grand Slam. Here is a have picture. Have a great day. Have a great time, Adam, if you catch this before the show. Uh, there's his picture of his, look at that. Man after my own heart, that. What was what that? Uh, Pre-flight pre pint. As he oh, of course, 10 of course. YC. Do we know what kind it is, though? It doesn't say. Doesn't doesn't clarify. But uh, have a great time, uh, Adam. And uh, yes, he has got a time from Hamflets. Do you want Hamflets first? We should uh, point out the winner. The winner last it's week. His day off. What's he doing? <laughs> I should remind you that the winner last week, of course, was Stax. Yes, but he um, can't be with us right now. He was with us on the NXT review. Flying home. Check that out. You want to check it out? Uh, and he's he wants to maintain his one hundred percent perfect record. So yeah, he doesn't want to risk that. Okay. Uh, but Hamflet. <laughs> has gone for one hour, 11 minutes, and 11 seconds because we the ones. He's such a mock. <laughs> what are you going for with it? Uh, well, using the, uh, the strategy that I've worked out in my head of, there you go, you're in the first hour, but you're also there to let everyone cool down and get excited about the second hour. 42 minutes, 39 seconds I'm going to go with because I think... Open, tag match, crowning of new tag champs, and then because the the, min, the time we're giving, by the way, if you're unaware, is the first note of a theme being played. We've got four themes we've got to get in, right? So I think you're right. I think the match is probably only going about 10 minutes. And I'm like, trying to put the Tony Khan brain on. So I think they may try and fit in Pac versus Orange Cassidy between this and the... The, the women's match, between the, the tag match and the women's match. And then I think the second hour will open with Chris Jericho. The like him at the top of the hour. That was his demo god days. And then you've got that, and then boatloads of time for them, the, the, the world title match, which I think will main event, potentially, with, with MJF getting involved. So 42, what did I say, 42 minutes? 42. 39 or something. I think it will be no hours. <laughs> 48. Okay. 0-0. I think we'll do Pac Orange Cassidy second. Yes. This third, you'll get the Jericho entrance at the top of the hour, and then whichever match main events. I think I think you and I are right. I think it's going to be first hour stuff. Um, but it should be both hour stuff as we keep campaigning for one day this will happen. A second women's match. <laughs> and, you know, if anyone's interested in any female perspectives yes. about AEW in general, I would recommend um, Tag Talk on Fightful Overbooked with Kylie Fuller and Haley Ann. Good stuff, that, yeah. Um, because it's all well and good us complaining about this. We are just men in a room saying... As of tomorrow, I'll be a 37-year-old yes. white podcaster. And right. I'm very much cognizant of the fact that AEW... I gravitate towards it at its best, and I love it so much at its best because it very much appeals to my particular sensibilities, but that does not reflect everybody else. Exactly. Uh, and I have a question regarding your birthday to come a little bit later on. But before we do that, uh, another good birthday present for you, Pack versus Orange Cassidy for the All-Atlantic title. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to watching them go again. The Revolution match remains special. It remains iconic. Um, I love the idea of them sort of advancing on that with the idea of Pac being, right, okay, I know you're not just this little comedy arsehole. I know you nearly got the best of me. Come on, then. You want, you, you want the best of me? <laughs> Come get it. Come get it. Let's have a bare knuckle fight, then, on today of all days. Seven years to the day, of course, of Ronnie Pickering 
debut. I do hope our American audience is versed in the Ronnie Pickering lore. If not, just, just search on Twitter for Ronnie Pickering. Just, it's, it's what you think it is. It's just the best. It's the absolute best. So I love the idea of Pack and Orange working a match. Their chemistry's great. Their little sort of story, um, or their connection, rather, yes. has been great. I love the idea of Pack saying, right, okay, I don't want the dickhead. I want the guy who nearly out-wrestled me to just wrestle us. Um, and then for Orange to, like, kind of do that and then not do it. And then Pack gets caught again in a temper. And then he gets rolled up by Superman punched. These are two genius wrestlers at very different disciplines. And they mesh up very nicely. Um, so I expect this to be great. They did have a second singles on Dynamite, but it was phenomenally cursed. Because um, a particularly, like, too much of a Pack like a bomb like, knocked Cassidy's lights out, remember that? Oh, God, yeah. yeah. And luckily, they were going to a time limit draw because that was the set up the three-way with Omega at double or nothing, 21. And they got around, no one was going to win it, but in the worst possible way because Orange Cassidy was knocked loopy. Um, Before I get your prediction, does Ethan Page affect how you're going to predict this match? Dominant victory over Dan Housen on Rampage, made his intentions clear. I think Hamlet was telling us they're going to Canada soon. Toronto, which is Page's, it's, it's either his home country, which is massive, but whatever, he'll get the, he'll get the <laughs> reaction. I think he might actually be from Toronto or nearby. I, I don't know, but Canada, it'll count. Yes. Um, the good thing about this is that usually when you know that there's a title challenger looming, it can really telegraph the hell out of an outcome because if it's a heel, usually the face is going to win the match that is going to have the heel. But Orange Cassidy is a baby face, and Pac kind of plays, I hate the word, between her. Yes. Um, he played baby face. Baby face bastard. Baby face bastard. <laughs> He's been veering towards baby face more of late uh, against Kip Sabian, and he played baby face in the match against, uh, in the trios match with Aussie Open United mm -hmm. Empire yeah, yeah. and uh, Osprey that lot. So, Basically, they are not telegraphing the outcome by having a heel challenge for the title subsequent to that, so I appreciate that detail. It's not something AEW's always done well. Um, and either match would be great. Ethan Page and Orange Cassidy have already worked together this year, so that might clue people into the fact that it could be Pac. Um, but Tony's gone sequel mad a little bit. There are two sequels here tonight, so who the hell knows? All I know is... If I had to pick one, I'd pick Pack. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Um, uh, but again, as with the Moxley-Danielson match, uh, there will come a point in this match where I go, okay, well, I guess our prediction's wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it wouldn't come that, as that much of a surprise as, let's say, the Dark Order becoming the trio's champions, yeah. which I've bought on. So anything else is, is small fry in comparison to that. Um, Chris Jericho is going for the Ocho. In his own words, challenging Claudio Castagnoli for the Ring of Honor world title. You and I have booked it if we're laying out this show at the top of the second hour. Um, but yes, I, you know me. I'm a sucker for this. Ocho! I was like, oh, sold. What yep. does it mean? I think that means because he's a seven-time world champion. So he's going for the eighth. And that's the Ocho, in his words. I love that. And it, it was, I had flashbacks to a little bit of the bubbly in terms of, well, that's going to be around the what culture office on Monday morning sort of thing. 
Um, his eyes lit up, and I love Claudio, and I think he should hold this title for quite some quite some more time. And yet Jericho goes, Ojo! And I go, yeah, switch the title. Sold. Yeah. Sold. <laughs> I love this. It's one of two incredibly unpredictable world title matches on a single episode of TV. Like Chris Jericho, look, he's a pretty selfless guy. He will take falls. Not that he should be taking too many. Otherwise, you know, there's no value in him losing. Yeah. But what I'm trying to get at is that I can see him losing here. Doing a solid for Claudio, the whole idea being that, look, I think he's the best upper mid-carder, or one of the best upper mid-carders of the century. I don't necessarily get a main event presence from him, but a lot of people in wrestling do, and maybe this is an attempt to really get him over as that. But at the same time, I know you want a stacked card, but are you putting Chris Jericho in a losing position just to get him on Grand Slam? I don't know. Like, Tony Khan has promised that something big is going to happen, mm-hmm. something momentous is going to happen, and we are going to cover other possibilities for this in our last talking point. But Chris Jericho, if he is the ROH champion tomorrow morning, isn't just going to defend out on Rampage the odd time. I think the timing, if in fact Jericho wins this, means that there's something imminent in terms of ROH being its own entity. So this is all very interesting. We could have a fully established ROH that Chris Jericho leads, much like he did AEW in late 2019 as the champion. Or you get Claudio fully legitimized as a main event talent in North American mainstream pro wrestling by virtue of beating Jericho. And yet again, both those quite likely eventualities mean that there's going to be drama out the ace. Yes, exactly. I have a physically impossible spot, if you would uh, care for it. Is it? I think you might be able to work this one out. I've got a couple right. I've got reservations about the match quality. As good as Jericho has been, Claudio's a different animal, and I would really try and have the Jericho character kind of acknowledge this and just be the heel brawler bully that he was in for much of his AEW run. I think if he gets too high in his own Lionheart stuff... He could struggle to keep up with Claudio and they could fail to meet in the yeah, middle yeah, a little yeah. bit. I've got at least one co- prediction for your physically impossible spot. Um, Claudio's got Jericho in the giant swing mm-hmm. and Jericho uh, kind of does a sit-up out of it into a Judas effect. <laughs> That's even preposterous for me. <laughs> right, okay. Um... Pop-up Judas Effect counter. Okay. It's not that either. Claudio's lying down. Yeah. Jericho's about to go for the line salt. Claudio pops up and hits him with the uppercut. That might be a better move than what I was going to suggest, because mine doesn't work because he'd be face down. But, yeah, Jericho goes to the line salt. Uh, Claudio moves, catches him, giant swing. Oh, that's certain to happen, I think. <laughs> that is certain. But, it, um, but in, my, in my physically impossible one, uh, Jericho doesn't touch the ground. Like, he takes off the lion's salt, gets caught. Oh, yeah, that, that is physically impossible. <laughs> that is physically impossible. It's not impossible for Claudio. It might not be physically yes, impossible yes, for Claudio. Yes, yes, yes. He's genuinely that good. Who I think will retain. He's a freak. Yeah. I think he'll retain because, big picture, even if, as we're about to talk about, there's going to be some big Ring of Honor announcement or whatever it may be, he can easily uh, transfer Jericho to that show and have him be a big star on there. Because his mate, 
he's got the pure title now. And who better than sports entertainer Jericho to be like, I'm the purest sports entertainer there is. Yeah. And Garcia, blah, blah, blah. And I know that's losing into another title picture long term. But the the path is at least there. He's not just gone, oh, all right, well, I didn't win that one. I'll win that one instead. And I like the idea. There's, there's a way you can pr- present this of him becoming weirdly obsessed with Ring of Honor. That, like... I've done everything, everywhere. Other than the IWGP, but we'll just ignore that for the purposes of this storyline. But you don't think he makes the Ocho? He always makes me think of Dodge. It's Dodgeball that Ocho's on, I think, I've got no idea. ESPN 8, the Ocho. The Ocho. Um, Ultimately, I think it's 50-50, I can't call this one, which is great as a viewer. I would want, ideal scenario, Chris Jericho to lose on his sword, Honourable, pun intended, and just shake Claudio's hand and say, you know what, I'm tired of being the sports entertainer. I've really enjoyed harkening back to my roots Lionheart. I'm just going to be a wrestler again. And then he can probably feud with Hager or someone like that. Mm-hmm. And I know it's going to Garcia, and I know that the the, rev- the revelation that, you know what, wrestling's better than the sports entertainment stuff will probably follow the Jericho-Garcia feud. But ultimately... Even if I don't personally believe the narrative that wrestling's back in WWE and it's not stupid anymore, guys, it kind of is. Look at the Soul Secure stuff from NXT last night. Thanks, Papa H. Thanks, Papa H. Enough people actually believe it to a point now where the sports entertainment parody is just woefully outdated. Yes. I think it's still sports entertainment. I think it's still stupid. I still think that the only real change Triple H has made, apart from the odd return, apart from Clash at the Castle, which ruled, <laughs> is that the matches are a bit longer and they're allowed to do a bit more stuff, which is bare can, minimum. And they can say wrestling. Yeah. It's a real game changer. Yeah, real game changer, transformative. They'll be doing like retrospective documentaries <laughs> on the network for years about this new, the wrestling era, suck my ass. Um, but I think the Garcia thing will be the end to the Chris Jericho as a sports entertainment saga, so I don't think it ends tonight. But it should end. Uh, enough people... I realize I'm not the consensus and I'm not the majority and I'm the cynical, you know, um, dissenting voice. But enough people think it to have formed the narrative and that narrative has kind of crushed any kind of, you know, realism this JAS stuff has anymore. Yeah, I agree. Uh, finally, Sige, uh tomorrow is, of course, your birthday, as you pointed out. Uh, you got a hell of a present for it last year. Um, what do you think Tony Khan's got up his sleeve for your birthday this year? And also for Dynamite, if you want to mention that as well. Well, well, we're not just making this up out of thin air, expecting Tony Khan to give me a gift. Grand Slam's enough of a gift. Mm. He has literally said on Twitter when promoting the show, championship matches, great classics expected, plus maybe I've got something up my sleeve. Imagine if it's just a copy of Becoming All Elite, The Rise of AEW, which is still available to buy right now on Amazon. 120,000 very passionate words all about AEW. And insightful as well. Thank you very much for the plug. Um, that would be so good. What have I got on my sleeve? It's this brilliant book. Yeah, I'd love that. Good night, everyone. <laughs> I, just love, I would love that plug, quite frankly. Um, would that be better or not as good as Daniel Brian Danielson stood in the ring with a, with a giant picture of your face with a party box? God, no. Honestly, the two signs that we saw, oh my god, they were better. The titch grace. Titch grace. Um, no, they were better. They will be better than the book reveal. Um, 
two tweets later, Tony Khan dropped a gif about Captain Insano. And we kind of know that they are trying to procure the rights or the trademark to that character to be used in a wrestling context. And he has access, and he has access sorry, to Paul White. And it's about time that that guy did something. I don't think the revival of a fairly stupid, like, you know, Paul White's performance in The Water Boy is actually really good. Mm. But it's not so good that I want to see it, like, continued on AEW television. <laughs> I, just, I just don't. It's a one-off cameo. I don't want to see a Captain Insano run. No. Kind of the last thing I want to see in AEW, if I'm quite honest. But then again, I said that about Paul White last year when he first signed up. So that could be it. Chris Jericho winning the ROH title and saying, now that a real star, a real sports entertainer has got the big one, I'm such a star that I deserve my own show. Ring of Honor Rampage or something like yes. that. Um, with the whole idea being that the, the overarching narrative of the first period of the new ROH, which isn't just the odd pay-per-view or Rampage match here and there, is all about a pure wrestler like Daniel Garcia and his quest to take the ROH title away from the clutches of the sports entertainer. That would be a good central narrative um, for the early stages of a theoretical Ring of Honor program because let's face it, I'm erring more to that than I am a free agent who's left. The only big one left is Bray Wyatt and he's the white friggin' rabbit, probably. Yeah. Who, like, who else is left? You've really, if you think of who's a really good wrestler that's still on the market and you think... That person, oh, but he's an unemployable sack of shit. <laughs> no matter how talented he is, he is an unemployable sack of shit, and he can't really be on television. That's yeah. all that's left. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, I have no idea what he's going to say, but yeah, I, he for all of his faults, Tony Khan, whenever he says, I'm going to give you something, he gives it to you. Unless it's Jake Hager versus John Moxley. Yeah. And that was just that was just a case of subjective bias. That was just a case of, oh my god, this pandemic is killing my ratings. Let's put lipstick on a pig. Exactly. Well, I can't wait for tonight. I'm still not going to go full hamphlet. Never <sighs> go full hamphlet. No, why would you stay up late? But I'll be waking up bright and early tomorrow morning on your birthday at M. Sidgwick if you wish to send him some birthday wishes. Oh, thank wishes. you. In um, advance. Yeah, indeed. Um, very excited to see what goes down on this show. I can't wait. Um, guaranteed title changes, I'll say that. Because there should definitely be one. There should definitely be one. <laughs> In fact, there will be one. Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah that's a good yeah, point. Yeah, it's a guaranteed title change. And one that should definitely happen as well. Yeah, there we go. Uh, let us know your thoughts ahead of Dynamite tonight, though, uh, on Twitter, at WhatCultureWWE. Well, actually, you can follow both of us. Uh, as I said, you can follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. Uh, Hamlet will be back tomorrow for the review as well. So make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from. For daily wrestling podcasts, that will drop into your feed as soon as it's released tomorrow. And you can check out our review of NXT from earlier on today, right now, if you so please. But for now, this has been the Dynamite Grand Slam preview. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told 
about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hulu.